I really believe that every student, no matter what field you're pursuing, you need someone to help motivate you. You need someone to continue to encourage you because sometimes things can be just so overwhelming that you just never know what can turn a person's world, you know, from from upside down to to up. Um, And so I believe in the power of the word. I believe in the power of balancing your analytical thinking with also understanding human beings. On this season of the PG Daily, we will be taking an in-depth look at education in Prince George's County. You will hear from some of the integral voices that are responsible for educating and enriching the minds of students in the county. You will also hear from students that have been directly impacted by the county's educational system, and you will hear how the Prince George's County schools impact the community as a whole. In today's episode, you will hear the daily news, and for our big story, Dale Roden sits down with Miriam Terrain, the Associate Dean for Humanities, English, and Social Sciences at Prince George's Community College. I'm David Smalls. Stay tuned. October 21st, 2019. In today's weather, the morning will start with a little bit of fog with temperatures at 59 degrees. Otherwise, clouds will start, but the sun will bring in sunny skies later in the afternoon with temperatures reaching the mid to upper 60s. And those temperatures will continue throughout your drive home. Clouds will begin to increase during the overnight hours. Rain will develop in the region late Tuesday morning with steady rain tomorrow afternoon. A half an inch of rain or more is predicted by the start of the Nationals World Series watch party at Nationals Park tomorrow. Sunrise today is at 7.23 a.m. Sunset is at 6.21 p.m. And that's our local weather for today. In local news, a man was found slayed Saturday afternoon in Prince George's County, according to police. Police said he was found indoors in the 1300 block of Mary Mac Drive after officers were called there about 2.15 p.m. for a welfare check. The address is in the Langley Park area. The man was suffering from what police described as trauma to his upper body. No information was immediately released on how the wounds were inflicted. No name has been released. The street is a residential block lined with two-story brick apartment houses. Demontre Ward Blake, a 24-year-old Maryland man, remains hospitalized after he was injured during an arrest by Prince George's County Police on Thursday. His family tells ABC7 News he suffered a spinal injury and is partially paralyzed. Blake, also known as Monty, told the news reporter he is being treated in a Baltimore hospital after he underwent surgery for injuries he suffered during his arrest by Prince George's County Police. The arrest happened on Wheeler Road in Oxon Hill, Maryland. Police said an officer pulled Ward Blake over for expired tags, and in the car he smelled marijuana and saw a knife. Blake Ward was driving with a six-year-old child. The officer learned that Ward Blake had a suspended license, and the police called for backup when the suspect became angry. When two other officers arrived, police said Ward was removed from the car without incident and handcuffs. 
a dash cam video showed the traffic stop and part of the arrest. Police spokesperson described what happened during the arrest as Blake Ward struggled. The suspect then tried to get away. While trying, he hit the officer with his elbow in a forceful motion. The officer then used a takedown procedure. At that point, the suspect, in an effort to escape, hit his neck on the roadside. On Saturday, Police Chief Hank Sawiski spoke out about the takedown technique used on the suspect, saying, We are deeply concerned because it doesn't matter how anyone comes into custody, this is not an acceptable outcome. He denies the incident as malicious or intended to hurt Ward Blake. I have no information that this is anything other than a horrible, horrible accident. What the officer did was not outside of the tactic that we use. There isn't a specific tact that we are trained under these circumstances. Police said the officer involved has been placed on administrative leave and they are conducting an internal investigation. They have not yet released the dash cam video showing part of the arrest. WUSA News has reported how a Maryland company is finally making t-shirts for the home team that's in the World Series. Fred Fuller has been designing sports t-shirts for 51 years all over the country, but for the first time since his business started, Fuller said he is able to design World Series gear for his hometown team, the Washington Nationals. It's a big deal and shows pride in our hometown team, Fuller said, and he designs a little different than your typical fan gear. He said that his forte is the endorsement of the players, so he matches the players to the slogan. And he designed Stay in the Fight t-shirts, Baby Shark t-shirts, and World Series shirts with every single player's face on them. Fuller is expected to sell 20 to 30,000 pieces during the course of the World Series. He is selling the novelty fan t-shirts at Banner Hallmark stores across the D.C. area. Looking back on how it all got started, he said it was a single conversation that changed the course of his career and that he still feels the same passion today. That's our local news for today. From PG Community News, I'm Vanita Newsom. And now for our big story, Dale Roden sits down with Miriam Terrain, the Associate Dean for Humanities, English, and Social Sciences at Prince George's Community College. Okay, what do you do for the college? Uh, currently, I serve as the Associate Dean for Humanities, English, and Social Sciences. Oh, for all of Hess? For all of Hess. Yeah. And how many faculty members do you represent in that role? Um, about 60 full-time faculty members and, wow, hundreds of adjuncts okay. as well. Yes, we have quite a few adjuncts in our in our area. I want to say probably about 300 okay. in our entire division. What did you do before this? Uh, prior to becoming the associate dean, I served here at, at the college as the chair of the developmental English and reading department at the time. We had a separate division under the Learning Foundations division at the time. Okay. How long had you done that? I was the chair for eight years. 
Um, and prior to that, I was a full-time faculty member for four years. So you've been at the college for 12 years. Well, I'm actually in my 15th year now. Okay. Prior to becoming a full-time faculty member, um, I was an adjunct. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you're taught in the developmental English Developmental program. English and reading, yes. I know nothing about the developmental English and reading program. Okay. Does the program still exist with all of the changes at the college? Yes, the program still exists, but it is a part of the English department now. Prior to the merge um, <clears throat> under the realignment, Learning Foundations operated here at the college as a separate division, and that division included developmental English, developmental reading, developmental mathematics, and planning for academic success. Once the um, the realignment occurred, the uh, developmental English department then merged with the credit English department, developmental math merged with the math department, and then the um, planning for academic success came to social sciences. Okay. Why did you come to Prince George's Community College? So um, I'd worked, I guess to give you a little bit of history, I worked, prior to coming to Prince George's, I worked for the U.S. Department of Labor, Bureau of Labor Statistics. Uh, at the time, I was pursuing a um, master's degree in reading. I decided to go back to school to do something I love to do instead of something I thought I wanted to do. For undergrad. So for graduate, um, my graduate studies, I wanted to pursue reading because I loved reading. And I went back to school. <clears throat> um, as a result, before I left my graduate program, um, I did my gra- my undergraduate program at Lincoln University. I was a English, uh, I was a economics and finance major. Whoa. Uh, yeah. Time yeah, out yeah, for yeah. That's a different You go from economics and finance. Economics and to finance. English? To English. Yes. Yes. I always loved English. But when I was an undergraduate major, I wanted to pursue, I thought I wanted to pursue business administration. My father encouraged me. He said, Well, you know, business, that's nice, but you kind of need something a little more specific. <clears throat> so I looked around in the business area. I decided I didn't want accounting. No, I don't want that. Um, I did want marketing, but the college that I attended didn't have marketing as a major, um, and I was already there. So <clears throat> I looked at a couple other things and I landed on economics. I was like, oh, I could do economics. This is great. This is interesting information. It's theory. I can do that. So I, pursued um, economics. And then after I left Lincoln, I graduated with a a bachelor's degree in economics and finance, and I got a job as an economist. Of course. What? (laughs) (laughs) So even though people didn't know what an economist um, did, basically, in short, I was responsible for creating um, area wage surveys and for the federal government and coming to establish the locality pay structure that they have now, which just determines how much you get paid to do what you do in a particular occupation. So it involved a lot of statistics, a lot of research, a lot of information gathering, which was great. So you until were I got bored. Big data. Big data. And little data. And little data, yes. Qualitative Macro, and quantitative. Macro, micro, yes, okay. all that. <laughs> so um, after several years, about 12 years, I started to get bored with that. And I knew I wanted to do something else. I wasn't sure what else. 
but I knew I wanted to pursue something, some kind of advanced degree. So I, I saw that Lincoln had um, a degree that you can get a degree, an advanced degree in reading. And I was like, hey, hey I already love to read, so this is a perfect match. So I, I went in not thinking that I was going to be teaching at all. I just really wanted to learn about reading and what is the drive behind it and what is the process involved. Um, and then I found that, you know, you could be a reading specialist where you could offer people information and advice about how to improve their reading skills and all these kinds of things. You didn't necessarily have to be in the classroom to do it. So I said, this is interesting, while I was continuing with my full-time job. And then someone at Lincoln asked me, <clears throat> to teach a um, a reading course. So it's it's a preparatory reading course for students who are already in college but still kind of struggling. Like they're not maybe, they're not quite ready for English 1010, uh, the comp class that everyone takes as a freshman. But they need to brush up on some of their reading skills. Not that they can't read, they just need a few more skill development um, tools to use in the classroom. So wait, you quit your job. I, Nope. And you're at college, in grad school. Well, okay, no, I did not quit my job. I still had my full-time job. You got your full-time job. I went gig. to grad school at the same time. In grad school. I plus. finished, yes, plus, yes. And and then, uh, at the third, for the third thing, at the that same time, I also agreed to teach one class at Lincoln while I was still finishing up that degree and working full-time. Okay, I've got like 15 questions yeah. in my head. <laughs> But I want to okay. go way back, <laughs> okay, way back and and start with, where is Lincoln College? Lincoln University is the first degree-granting historically black college or university in Lincoln University, Pennsylvania. It's about 55 miles outside of Philadelphia. It's in southern Chester County, Pennsylvania. So it's literally like an hour and a half drive from here, so it's not that far. Okay, but why did you choose Lincoln of all the colleges? Because it was the first? Well, uh, okay. You're a legacy, right? Very, very good question. No, I'm not a legacy. I am the first um, first generation student in my family to go to college. When I, The reason why I chose Lincoln, <clears throat> I went to, from kindergarten to 12th grade, I went to a Catholic high school, a Catholic school, a Catholic elementary school, Catholic middle school, junior high, Catholic high school. So my Catholic high school was a predominantly white, all-girls institution. And Lincoln University, uh, my parents did encourage my, both my sister and I to attend an HBCU or to at least to consider it. So we, you know, my sister and I are only nine months apart. So Okay. Yeah. Catholic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> I went to college first. I chose Lincoln. I chose Lincoln because it was far enough away from Ohio because um, I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio. I'm and sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm... <laughs> hey, 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 we're doing, we're, we're trying, we're trying. Go blue. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we, we, um, I chose Lincoln because it was a small enough college that I could feel like I was close enough um, to, I could get to know the people. It wasn't like a huge institution where I would be seen as a number. I really just wanted to kind of get to know people and make connections. I chose Lincoln because I actually didn't know that it was the first degree granting institution. Um, I, I chose Lincoln because I really wanted to connect to, um, you know, people that look like me, 
Uh, I wanted to have that experience because my prior educational experience, you know, I have been maybe, um, you know, 10. Uh, maybe there were only 10 or 12 of us in a class meaning black students. And I wanted to to be in a surrounding in an area where there were more people like me. I wanted to be taught um, by people who were not just, you know, African-American, but people from all over the, the United States, the world, um, to get a world-class um, education. And uh, Lincoln seemed like a perfect match. So I, I, I applied to Lincoln. I applied to Howard. I applied to Spelman. I applied to Ohio University because I needed to, my mother said, hey, listen, you need to apply to one Ohio college. So, and then I chose Lincoln. I, I really didn't know what Lincoln was about. And it wasn't until after I had gotten accepted that I made the visit out there in the middle of the the mushroom fields. I was like, well, wait, well, wait a minute. Is, is it too late to change my mind? <laughs> and, um, you know, but then I decided, OK, you know what? Let me just try this out. Let me just try it out for a year. And I was going to be away at college. So, again, that was that was an incentive as well. So that's how I chose Lincoln University. OK. Now, no shade to Cleveland. Cleveland is a, is <laughs> Whatever. A wonderful, I feel I the shade. I feel, I feel the coldness. <laughs> it's just it's just Ohio in general. But Cleveland, <laughs> of all the Ohio, is my favorite. <laughs> okay. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Yes, yes. We're really, we're pretty resilient. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Y'all got some great schools, to too. Yeah. My first college visit was to Kent State. Is that right? My okay. very first college visit wow. as a, an eighth grader. As an eighth grader. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Kent State. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I know a little bit about Cleveland. Okay. okay. And I like Cleveland as a place. I got family there, (laughs) had family there. Right. So how did you adjust going from Cleveland, Mm -hmm. which is a a large metropolitan area, with access to virtually everything, To, to Lincoln, yeah, Ooh, Pennsylvania, way out there, yeah. Where you had to have a car to get McDonald's. You really did. And let me tell you something. There were only five students with cars on campus when I went to Lincoln. Yes, it's incredible. Wow. Now, you go up there now, you can't find a parking space to save your life. Right. But at the time, there were only five students. So you had to get to know those five students yeah. and try to get on the in on that ride to Oxford, which is the closest <laughs> town. Right. Um, but yeah, it was a it was an adjustment. I will say, um, I was not homesick. I just was like, I need to see the city sometime soon. And you know, when I first went to Lake, they were like, Oh, you know, we're not that far away from Philly. And I was like, Oh, great, because Philly is huge. Right. Yeah, but I didn't know there were only five people on campus with a car, so <laughs> I didn't know that till I got there. And so, you know, you made adjustments. But I tell you what, one thing I did learn is that when you don't have much, you make whatever you have work and we made it work we all were together and doing the same thing we're all trying to get in the same five cars to 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 go to town to go to other places but i've been so many places in that one spot having been put into that one spot you figure it out and that that made the that made the best choice i made the best choice for myself because i really did connect to a whole new family and i loved it and i would never trade it ever ever Okay. So what did high school teach you that prepared you to succeed at Lincoln? At Lincoln. Well, you know, the the high school that I went to, as I said, as I shared, it, it was an all-girls um, Catholic high school. So we had a very demanding ed- educational or academic program. So I was pretty advanced when I got to Lincoln. 
Um, and so, you know, I felt like, oh, I kind of already know this. You know, I know this information. I wasn't the best student, but I was there. I knew that my priority was education. Like my parents are not sending me away to just play around. Right. Although I played around, I, I still got my work done. Right. So, you know, I was able to, I think I was ready to go away to college. I had enough maturity um, to be able to make decisions on my own. And I wasn't calling my parents every five minutes for this question or that. You know, they they gave me a solid foundation or provided me with a solid foundation so that I could feel independent enough to do that. Um, and so I made it work. And it, it again, best decision of my life. Okay, so now I'm going to ask you the flip side of that question. And what do you think that your high school was lacking that um, you had to catch up on by the time you got to this co-ed school in the middle of nowhere, away right. from family and friends. Right, right. Well, you know what? I, I would have to say it was there was a lack of diversity at the high school that I attended, and that kind of set me back. <laughs> that set me back a little because I really was not in touch with how everybody else was, you know, lived, um, and and their behaviors and the attitudes, and you know, I was never around people that weren't were not from Cleveland. So. Right. When you go to college, you start meeting people from Georgia. You're meeting people from Michigan. You're meeting people from, you know, all kinds of places. New York, of all places. Um, New York and um, and all kinds of places. So you have to learn how to adjust. That everybody doesn't think like you think, believe in what you believe in. But college is the place for you to uh, be able to be exposed to all of those things and still come away understanding who you are. Okay. Um, we've jumped way ahead into have we, oh, okay. yeah we we have <laughs> we jumped in. Oh, okay, I'm so sorry. in middle school and in high school okay. and in elementary school yeah. what was the name of the school you went to I went to Regina High School Regina High School mm-hmm. and from from kindergarten to eighth grade I went to St Henry's School so I had been in one school of my entire K through twelve right then I went to high school okay, okay. <laughs> so. Were you a good student at um, St. Henry's and Regina High School? I, I, yeah, I was a good student. I was not an A student. I probably was a B, C student. Um, there were some classes that I pretty I did pretty well in. Of course, English and um, the the reading classes, those kinds of things I did well in those. Math, not so much. That's not my skill set, and I admit that. Okay, so that. now that brings up for me <laughs> a really important question about your major in economics. Okay. Uh, a friend of mine um, used to teach economics mm-hmm. at University of Chicago. He's somewhere overseas right now. Mm-hmm. And he said when he was deciding what to study in graduate school, mm-hmm. he was a double major in mm-hmm. physics and economics. Mm-hmm. And he chose economics because it was harder. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. What, harder With, than physics? Well, yeah. I oh, mean, physics, okay, there's well. there's a definite answer. Yeah. With economics, it's much more of a mixture between the definite answer and the art. Right, right. Um, right, right. So, But I think that that's what drew me to economics was that it was not so, you know, statistically based because by the time I got into it, you just need to press the button. You don't have right. to know all of the, the, the numbers behind it. Um, I think that for me, it got it gave me a chance to use the analytical side of my brain and um, where where there are always many reasons to why somebody does something or why someone um, why attitudes um, um, drive the economy just as well as um, purchasing ability. 
So I, for me, you know, kind of closing the gap on understanding um, that people's behaviors and attitudes um, have much more to do with the economy than just, you know, a, a particular product that someone likes. Right. Um, finding that out, um, that that offered a lot of, you know, kind of research opportunity. And I, I, I enjoyed that at that time. Okay. Who was your favorite professor when you were at Lincoln? My favorite professor was, uh, well, I have a couple for a couple okay. different reasons. I would say Dr. Thomas, she worked in the education department. And I wasn't in the education department, but I did take a couple of classes in um, the educational area. And she spoke so eloquently and um, so articulately. I was very impressed with just her presence and the information that she had to deliver at the time. And she was very encouraging and motivating to a lot of us young students at the time uh, that really felt like, wow, we, didn't, we, were, we, were, we were unsure of what the future held. But she was like, look, she really encouraged us to, to um, instill in us that we had what it takes what it took and um, that we shouldn't be afraid to just move further knock it down you know if there's a barrier there knock it down and that's that's where I came from um, in in my major I would say Dr. Ramdas um, Dr. Ramdas taught uh, economics he taught SAS he taught all of the hard hardest economics classes that we had to take but he was very um, willing to stay behind. He was that instructor that was willing to talk to you during his office hours, talk to you when even when he didn't have office hours. Um, so you, you could really get an understanding of all those things you missed in class, whether you were sleeping or whether you, you know, just didn't understand it. And so I appreciated that about him. He gave me a lot of good information. He encouraged me in an, in an arena where there were not very many African-American women going into economics at the time. And so he he really did encourage me to just kind of stay the course and, you know, you're going to be fine. You'll find something um, that will lend itself right to what you've been studying. And so that's what I did. Do you model yourself um, after Dr. Thomas or Dr. Ramdan? Yeah, I, I think I think both of them to an extent. Yeah, sure. Um, I do try to work on, you know, the presentation, which is what um um, Dr. Thomas instilled, and, and, and in addition to that, motivation. I really believe that every student, no matter what field you're pursuing, you need someone to help motivate you. You need someone to continue to encourage you because sometimes things can be just so overwhelming that you just never know what can turn a person's world, you know, from, from upside down to upside to up. Um, and so I believe in the power of the word. I believe in the power of... Um, you're balancing your analytical thinking with also understanding human behavior. This podcast is brought to you by Prince George's Community News and Prince George's Community College, celebrating over 60 years of offering the highest possible standards in college education for the county and the region. Visit us at PGCC. Edu. The opinions expressed on the Prince George's Daily Podcast do not necessarily represent those of Prince George's Community College, its employees, or its affiliates. Producers for the Prince George's Daily are Stephen Boney, Dorcas Ashinowo, Vanita Newsom, Heavenly Pickett, David Smalls, and Dale Roden. 
Music for this episode provided by DJs Young Carts and Scott Holmes. Tune in tomorrow as we continue our discussion on education in Prince George's County. This is the Prince George's Daily.